Today on the Toppy Show, Disney Proxy War reignites. Can Disney be saved? Bud Light Sheriff ad flops miserably as most of their advertising does these days. Vivek praises Elon for telling advertisers to go F themselves and he will not be blackmailed. The UAW contract cost Ford Motor Company $8.8 billion, equated to an additional $900 per vehicle for consumers. Disney Plus users are canceling subscriptions after Elon tells Disney to F themselves. BlackRock buys a pet company for $2.3 billion. Toys R Us is now opening a Texas airport. And Red Lobster, all you can eat really was too good to be true as they lose millions of dollars with their promotion. And Consumer Reports also finds that EVs are less reliable than internal combustion engine vehicles. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special privacy in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice a day. Guys say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. We're also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of December, so if you could click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have BlackRock to buy Rover for $2.3 billion. Now, this actually happened a couple days ago, and it's not as exciting as you might think. I mean, Rover, I instinctively thought, well, is this Land Rover, Range Rover? Are they being sold for the like billionth time or so, it seems? But no, it is, in fact, a pet food company, and they noted that they agreed to acquire them in an all-cash deal, which also goes to show you how much assets BlackRock really has when... They just dropped $2.3 billion in all cash just at the drop of a dime, so to say. Or in this case, perhaps a vintage dime that are actually made out of silver and precious metals. Modern dimes are junk, not even worth anything in terms of the materials. But nevertheless, he also noted that Rover is an app that connects pet owners with service providers such as dog walkers and sitters. And they actually went public through a social, per, uh, sorry, special purpose acquisition company merger in 2021. But the Blackstone deal, which could lo- close early 2024 if no complete competing hours offers are put forward by late December, would make Rover privately held again. Which begs the question, what is Rover doing from their stock ticker these days? So pulling it up really quick here. Wow, well, sir, again, stock market, so it could change, well, by the second. So as of the time it's recording, it's around $11 per share, which is a all-time high and obviously a lot of financing high net or investing hindsight's 2020 in the past year it's increased 121.11 percent now that being said the past five year not so good so if you you know initially invest in the company right when they was off with the ipo they ipo'd what was this the five-year trend had them starting at ten dollars and 82 cents per share and they're now at ten dollars and 95 cents per share so the early investors did not do great, at least thus far. Again, the news of this possibility with BlackRock acquiring them, again, it still has to be finalized and approved. That helped the stock jump up by 27% just at the mere news at the offer. Again, there might be a small chance that some other company comes in and offers more money, but considering Black, BlackRock's huge amount of resources, I don't see anyone outbidding them anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see as Americans spend millions upon billions of dollars on all their pets, how much will this category explode and if any competitors actually rival them in the future? Other interesting business news, you have Toys R Us now open in a DFW airport. 
And if you're not from the great state of Texas, or you just are not aware of the geography, DFW stands for Dallas-Fort Worth. The, well, I'm a little biased, but perhaps one of the best places for business and for raising family. And obviously, who doesn't love Toys R Us? They've been, I mean, since Mr. Lazarius founded it way back in the day, it was one of the most magical places seemingly on the planet, especially for folks like me, where we didn't have copious amounts of money growing up when I was a kid. Thankfully, we were very blessed. We didn't, we, um, middle class, we never went hungry. But since it's where a lot of the kids on my block, they'd have the little electric cars, which back then were kind of cool because you were a kid. Although it's even cooler now I think about it, if you had a gas-powered go-kart. But nevertheless, a phenomenon back then were these little small plastic electric cars, and they cost a lot of money, like a couple hundred bucks. And, but if you went to Toys R Us, they had a whole aisle. Like, it was like a car dealership as a kid. The biggest, coolest novelty. And there's a whole not a whole aisle of all those cars, and you could drive them for free. So we'd go there, we'd drive those cool little cars around the aisles for a couple minutes. It was magical. And inevitably, if we were lucky, uh, like your grandma was visiting, we'd be able to pick out one toy of a certain dollar amount. One of my favorites being one of those little goo blasters, which is a really weird thing. It wasn't a pellet gun. It wasn't, so it wasn't, you know, that cool in terms of, like, the grown-up kids have those. But it is a little, and let me know in the comments if you remember the name of this thing. But it was a plastic cockable gun where you would pour slime into it and it would shoot like boogers. And, I mean, it was brilliantly safe. Well, I guess unless the kids were to drink it, probably wasn't, probably not healthy. I guess they'd probably make it friendly in that regard. But nevertheless, it's a very fascinating toy now that I think about it. And Toys R Us is magical. Unfortunately, due to a myriad of reasons, they went bankrupt. And... Well, they were first bought up by private equity. They took out loans they couldn't really pay back. And a couple years ago, they went bankrupt, which is why all the Toys R Us you and I saw down the streets, they inevitably closed. And a couple years later, they tried to come back, then COVID hit, that, you know, that's not great for business. So to be clear, this the new Toys R Us is in no way associated with the old Toys R Us that was headquartered famously in New Jersey with, you know, Geoffrey the Giant, the, not the, the uh, Giant, uh, was a funny little character, Geoffrey the Giant, uh, what was it? You lose me at the moment. What was that cute little caricature? The giraffe? Yes, it was. Yeah, the little giraffe. Now, specifically, this is a new business that bought the intellectual property, so they're buying the name of the company and trying to rebuild it. And this is a very brilliant location to open up. So DFW is one of those popular places in the globe, especially for business. It's a good geographic location in the United States as well. It's kind of in the middle. And there's a lot of people internationally traveling through the airport. So you're getting a lot of brand exposures. Why you see a lot of restaurants, a lot of international companies putting their types of businesses in these airports where they get a lot of foot traffic from all over the globe. Now, they're telling us in the article that eventually they're going to have the Toys R Us come up with traditional brick and mortar again. And hopefully they don't make the same mistakes that the founder's company had all those years ago. Now, this one in particular looks like it opened up a couple days ago at DFW Airport near Gate A28. They noted that the new... Oh, good old pop-ups. They noted that the store will have the latest toys and games, as well as demonstration tables for hands-on play and a life-size statue of Jaffrey the Giant Giraffe. And it'll be open every day for holiday for travelers and shoppers. Now it looks like Duty Free America's CEO, Jerome Fallick, said, quote, Toys R Us is a globally recognized brand and beloved by millions of families, and we are confident that the store at DFW will become a must-visit destination for travelers, unquote. And again, the company went bankrupt a couple years ago in 2017. And this is enough. Yes, I do pay finder fees. If you know anyone who has the big Toys R Us signs in terms of the letters that still light up, I'm still trying to find that. I've been searching for a couple of years, haven't had any luck. Thankfully, one of the local Toys R Us that was being torn down, one of the construction guys let me have the 
towards those sign. You can kind of see in the background of the podcast if you're watching the show right now. So I do have that cool little sign as well as a little cart one that I paid for as well. But yeah, if you know anyone with the Toys R Us sign, let me know since I'm always looking to grow the collection. Although it'd be interesting, if they truly make a comeback, you could perhaps, I could perhaps justify I have to remove that from the background of all the defunct companies that are behind me. Though I'd also argue it's a separate entity, separate ownership. It's different in most of those regards. Interesting debate for another time, perhaps. Other interesting business news, you have the Red Lobster. All you can eat really was too good to be true as the company lost millions of dollars. Now, a lot of these companies used to have these deals where even if it wasn't a loss leader, they'd be okay breaking even because they knew you're coming into their location and half the struggle in retail and restaurants is getting people to go to the store, getting to the restaurant. It's one of the biggest challenges to persuade customers to get out there these days, especially when we live in an economy where people have become so... I, this is probably a nice word of saying lazy, but they want the convenience of having crap delivered to them, including food, beverages, the whole nine yards. There's very few things that can be delivered these days in the United States. Now, it looks like specifically they noted, and this is thanks to Melissa Cantor, who is a editor at LinkedIn News, and she noted that the seafood chain Red Lobster ended their third quarter $11 million in the negative as a result, partially as a result, let me clarify, of its $20 Ultimate Endless Shrimp promotion available daily. They know that Red Lobster has offered the shrimp daily seasonally on Mondays for 18 years, but hoped wider availability would lure more consumers to its 670 restaurants during the slower fall and winter seasons. There was a 4% bump in traffic earlier from this year compared to a year earlier, but it wasn't enough to offset the higher than expected number of diners who had their fill of shrimp, the company noted. Now, they've also continued to say that the endless shrimp dish has since been priced to $25, but the chain expect, nonetheless expects to report a $20 million loss for 2023. Now, that shouldn't be too big of an issue considering they're part of a larger holding company. I'm 99% sure they're part of Darden. D-A-R-D-I-N is one of the largest restaurant holding companies on the planet. Let's check this out really quick here. Who owns Red Lobster? It's one of those instances where I'm great for business trivia, especially if they're headquartered in Texas, because that's where majority of my IT company does businesses, uh, business with, that we are proud to say we're expanding outside of the states in a different a couple of different areas. But that's where kind of my, my knowledge kind of drops off a little bit if it's not a main brand. Let's see here. So it says Red Lobster LLC is an American casual dining headquartered in Orlando, Florida. The founders was Bill Darden and Charles Wisby, founded in 1968. Let me see here. Let's see, so Golden Gate Capital became Red Lobster's parent company when it acquired from Darden Restaurants on July 28th, 2014. So it looks like they did switch ownerships a couple of years ago. And ironically enough, it was it looks like it was one of the founders' original companies as well, though they spun it off. And they've owned a myriad of other companies and even breakfast cereals as well. So again, it'll be interesting to see. And then one of the downsides is, you see this phenomenon where other companies and other restaurants will have like the $1 margaritas or the $1 copious amounts of alcohol, where perhaps it's just because they're inebriated, but that works for them because alcohol, depending on what quality alcohol you can get for pretty cheap, but they also buy other supplementary things. They'll buy the chips, they'll buy the more profitable food items on the menu, perhaps. And I wonder in this instance, if you're going there for the end of the trip, and again, I don't need out much. I'm pretty frugal unless I'm taking a client to an actual lunch or dinner. It's one of those instances where 
I wonder if the average person going there, do they just buy only shrimp with that deal? And the company's hoping they make money with the alcohol sales and the soda sales, or are they hoping they're making more money from the other things on the side? It'll be interesting to see. Of course, you also have to consider the cost of inflation. Thank the government for having 40 year hyperinflation, both people on the left and the right causing that problem. And again, you've had that same price point for a couple of decades. That's another issue as well as the US dollar is worth less and less and less and less. So I'm actually surprised they didn't increase that price point more. Now, granted, I know $20 to $25 by percentage wise is pretty, you know, it's not nothing. But again, the US dollar is becoming so worthless. I'm actually surprised it's not worse. So I'll be interested to see what they go on to achieve in 2024. But again, you're seeing more of these companies. I think we're going to see a shift from a business perspective, especially in 2024, where companies were okay with breaking even or if they, they were okay with lower margin things to get people in the stores and the restaurants. But capital has become so expensive in terms of lending, in terms of getting investments. As well as this is where they're going to have to do everything they can to turn a profit in 2024 and shareholders aren't going to be happy with, oh yeah, we increased our revenue by X amount, which is famously how social media is used to really operate. No one really ask them, well, what was the profit you made this year? Oh no, we got this many users. Well, great. At the time, that was the main mechanism for measuring of success. In 2024, subsequently, I think it'll be much more about the pure profits that you're generating because that's what is really going to drive the company to actually grow at the end of the day, especially when you cannot get all this, what used to be basically free cash with all these initiatives that would have you near 0% interest rates. But as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light Sheriff ad flops with less than 200 likes out of 150,000 views, which means even the people who work at Bud Light don't like it or their family members didn't take the look they, they they don't even like it because presumably Bud Light still has more than 200 employees and I'm obviously joking they have thousands of employees still they're still a huge multinational corporation they own 40 brands in the brewing industry but I don't know if they do the employees there just not use social media like how they could fix this problem by just asking friends and family to start liking these comments that you could argue that's artificially skewing those numbers, certainly that you could argue that. But in terms of the optics of having such a terrible like ratio, and again, we'll see how many, we'll dive in to see how much they're censoring as well, since that was one way they were silencing all the critics a couple of months ago. They even banned my profile for having the audacity of saying simply responding to a post of theirs saying, Thank you for reminding me to buy Yangling. And I had a picture of a case of Yangling bottles and a case of Yangling cans on my interview podcast table. I didn't swear at the company. I didn't say anything pejorative about them. I simply said, thanks for reminding me to buy the competition. That little thing was enough for them to get me, they, they banned my profile on the Twitter. So now if I want to see these Bud Light posts and hurt my eyes, granted, it's still not as dangerous or as deplorable as actually drinking the product in and of itself, but I actually have to use my podcast Twitter handle at the Topping Show to actually view these. And interestingly enough, that's the YouTube channel that critiques them, but they didn't, they didn't ban that profile, interestingly enough. So without further ado, it looks like it's about eight seconds long. Someone's opened up a can of Bud Light. Well, I guess, and again, this is a couple days ago, so the reference of them saying tomorrow, I know it's a little outdated, but the Bud Light team on this tweet, or post, whatever you want to call it these days, they say, quote, and his name is dot, 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 tomorrow, 12-1-23. And it's a picture, oh, we'll put, 
I'll play this terrible audio in a second here. So it's a gentleman. Well, I'm sorry about the light. I don't want to be, I don't want to judge too harshly. It is a, a human with hands and they appear to be opening up a can of Bud Light. That's the laziest thing I've ever seen in my life. So traditionally, when you see the old cool, well, I always thought this was a cool trick when I was a kid and watching the, the tube TV as a youngster, but traditionally in a bar, one of the neat, it's not even if it's considered a trick, but the bartender will slide a beer like all the way across the bar table and they'll catch it or they'll, they'll stop it with their hand. They'll, you know, they'll receive the beer. And yet in this one, I, again, maybe, again, maybe I, I assume the person opening it up was a man. I subsequently don't think so. It wasn't even a foot. So they, they pushed this beer and it went about a foot. Pathetic to say the least. I don't know how little this person's muscle mass is. Granted, they're drinking Bud Light, so presumably probably not the most strength of a person, perhaps. So they have the Bud Light slide across the bar, then they have a, a cowboy hat with the Bud Light logo on the hat medallion, like the, the star that you see that a sheriff would wear. And I don't... This is not... It's not. I thought it might be. It's not sponsored by Brokeback Mountain. I thought it... Interest, I thought that would be a good product tie-in. But interestingly enough, that's not... And again, it got less than 200 likes in a couple days. It's not like I did this, oh yeah, within two seconds it got less than 200 likes. Well, of course, you know, it takes more than a couple seconds unless you're some popular person like Dwayne The Rock Johnson or something like that, hundreds of millions of followers. But no, a couple days, still got less than 200 likes. Out of 151,000 views? That's almost, how improbable is that? So specifically, you got 191, let's see here. Then we, I go, uh, public schools are all-time low in you know, math, science, history. Heck, the HCT scores are at 32-year low in the United States. And yet the teachers' unions say they all deserve more money. Interesting idea. Well, we're going to do a little bit of math here today and add more value than not all, but some public schools in the United States. I'm also not going to indoctrinate you into your bedroom ideas. That should be your own personal concerns. Now, 191 people like this. So we're going to divide that by 151,500. Now that gives us a number of 0.00126. However, we're going to multiply it and turn it into a percentage. So we're going to multiply that by 100. So that gives us a percentage of 0.126. Or if you feel so inclined, we can round up. 0.13% of people who saw this liked it. Also known as a terrible ratio to say the least. And let's go ahead and dive into the comments. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everyone's forgiven Bud Light and they love the brand again. I mean, statistically speaking, not a lot of people actually love the actual post, but maybe the comments will be all supportive and they'll be appreciative of all the things Bud Light's doing. I mean, if I were a gambling man, I'd say probably not. Let's dive in and find out. I'll be damned. A positive response? Mark this day in the calendar, folks. This may... It's not... Oh, well, it may be a first in the past nine months. Someone by the name of Greg L. Simmons says, quote, The Bud Light guy in 1982. It looks like maybe that's him standing in front of an old... Yeah, it looks like a 1982 little van. and has the Budweiser 
well, that's awkwardly. It does sound better marketing-wise Bud Light versus Budweiser Light. Nevertheless, the van actually has a picture of the logo being Budweiser Light, and that got 18 likes. So let's dive in this profile, see if it's real. This person does have 999 followers. Not to brag, but I got about 230, but mine are the best, bar none, quality over quantity, of course. So he's got 999 followers, joined in 2021. He reposted some stuff by Bud Light. I'll be damned. Interesting. It looks like he is. I don't know if he. I can only assume he owns the. What the hell? A Jayhawk. I know a Jay, but he's not a Hawk. It looks like it's a Kansas University sports balls team. I don't know if he owns that team. Probably not. Maybe not. So he probably doesn't own the team, but every, yeah, every single post, he's posting hundreds, yeah, as I say, not hundreds, but dozens and dozens of times for the Kansas Blue Jays? Where they call their sports balls team. So he's a big sports balls fan. So, and maybe even a Bud Light driver, if that's him driving in 1980s. I wonder what his profile says for a job. Uh,. Oh, okay. At least he's pretty transparent. So his profile actually says, again, this is hashtag or at sign Greg Simmons GLS, Kansas Jayhawk football fan, old Bud fan, KC Chiefs fan, KC Royals fan, sporting KC fan, KC current man, not a coach for a KU. All right. A real positive response. I, I didn't think I'd see it again in my lifetime, folks. I, I'm not going to lie. Well, let's go and continue. Someone by the name of Christina Scheinberger simply just responded with a emoji of a beer. She does look inebriated in her profile. Now she has 408 followers, joined in 2016, so it's not like they just joined overnight and made this profile to praise Bud Light. And she is uh, mentally vacuous to say the least. Er not every, but actually, yeah, every one of her responses or posts that she's made is either is all the BS reposts where you say, repost and you could win $100 or I'm sending away a gift card to the first person. It's all crap. Mentally vacuous to say the least. I'm not surprised she did that. And of course, she's also re done a lot of reposts for Bud Light for all the free promos where you could win their beer, which incidentally enough is a great real world example. Again, we talk in the theories all the time. It's a great real world example of how you can be a winner and a loser at the same time if you were to, in fact, win a case of free Bud Light with their Bud Light sweepstakes. Because, again, I can't help but think you wouldn't want to drink it in public out of fear of being socially ostracized with anyone, you know. So you wouldn't drink it in public. I mean, I, I, I've debated what would I do if I was bored enough or desperate enough to actually join one of the contests. And then what would I do if I won a case of Bud Light? I certainly couldn't actually give it to someone who's coming on for a podcast interview because the, the purpose of a podcast interview is to actually talk with someone, have a good conversation. If they were to drink the Bud Light, their tongue would become so viscerally shriveled and disgusted, they would either throw up on the show or be so viscerally disgusted by the fact that I would give them such a product that they would never want to talk to me again. So I couldn't, certainly couldn't use it for podcast interviews. I suppose I could perhaps use it as a cleaning solvent. I mean, a lot of people forget that Listerine was originally invented to clean bathroom floors. Now we use it to clean our teeth and our mouths. Perhaps we can do the inverse with Bud Light where it was at one point 
you know, invented for people to drink copious amounts of alcohol during sports balls events and fraternity events. Perhaps we could use it to clean, although I believe it is still a fairly sticky substance. So that idea is out. But if I were to win a case of Bud Light now, and I, I'm just spitballing here, folks. Let's see, you couldn't use it as a cleaning solvent. That idea is out, unfortunately. We've already said how we could use it for target practice, filling potholes, using it as ballast if you're in a hot air balloonist. What else could you use it for? I suppose, hmm, couldn't, how could, what would you use it? Couldn't use it in food. You don't want the food to go bad. Couldn't really, I mean, it's not, yeah, we already, yeah. You could donate it to the military to use for torture, but I think that might be very well, it might be against the U.S. Constitution, the Geneva Convention, you know, cruel and unusual punishment. If you were to force someone to drink Bud Light if they were a prisoner or a terror, possible suspected terrorist, uh, I think the American public wouldn't stand for that. that. That'd be a war crime in, in many instances, in many countries, I believe. You could perhaps, I mean, there's the aluminum can. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable. But what would you do with the Bud Light? You could use it as a weed killer, perhaps, if you have some weeds on your lawn. Hmm. I'm trying to think, what else could you use it for? Hmm. I just thought it right here and now, folks. Now, one of the biggest issues, especially these days, is defending your home from evil perpetrators. And very similar to scarecrows, you could perhaps ward off people who have a modicum of good beer taste. If you were to take the Bud Light and pour it around your house perimeter, the smell that would come from it would perhaps be so viscerally disgusting, every time someone came to your property, they'd smell it and immediately turn around and go back. That very well might be one of the most legitimate things you could do if you were to win a case of free Bud Light. Let me know in the comments what you would do. It would be fast to hear what you would have to say in regards to if you won the case of Bud Light, what would you do? Now, ADHD aside, we'll go back into the comments section. Hi Dad Soup says, quote, if it isn't hashtag Shane Gillis, you screwed up, unquote. I got 148 likes. And yeah, that should have been their spokesperson. I, there's a rumor that's going to be a sports balls player, of course. But Shane Gillis is an extremely popular stand-up comic, and he still drinks Bud Light. And Shane, he's very good at making fun of people on the left and the right, politically speaking. So he's a, not as controversial. He's controversial, don't get me wrong, because he actually is a comedian. And he says funny things. But he makes fun of everyone equally. So I think the overall audience for Shane Gillis is larger than other comedians who kind of find a niche and stick with it. So I actually think that would be a good idea for Bud Light to do. That being said, it's a good idea, so they probably won't do it. We all know what their marketing department does, or rather does not anymore. Conservative Rebel says, quote, boycott. His name is boycott, unquote. Got 23 likes. King Midas says, quote, Transcena, unquote, gained 41 likes. Except John Cena. That's a good word pun. I'll go with it. Transcena. Interesting. CM simply says this is gay, unquote, gained 13 likes. John Michael Gibson says, quote, we don't want your beer, your brand, or your sheriff. You are marketing to someone else. His name, nobody I know or want to meet, unquote. Gained three likes. Someone simply just drone pro. Simply just did a emoji of fecal material. They got five likes. They didn't even have to say anything. 
another shout out to Shane Gillis. This comes from Alexander. Alexander says, quote, the only road to redemption involves St. Gilly, hashtag Shane Gillis. He's done more for your brand than anyone on your marketing, on your genius marketing team can imagine. Time to cut him a check, unquote, getting 35 likes. Whale Jones, below them, also similar condolences. This person says, quote, if it's not Shane Gillis, who cares? Getting 30 likes. Red Adams says, quote, did you just assume them they's gender? Unquote, getting 18 likes. Greaseman, 2022, says, quote, is it RuPaul? Unquote, getting 12 likes, who is not Rand Paul. I thought it was the brilliant, uh, I, I, I appreciate the Libertarian candidate, Rand Paul, but no, the RuPaul is actually the, what is it, the trans crossdresser? It's a TV show, or more more accurately, probably is a streaming show. Stone Cold Steve, Stone Cold Steve Autism said, "Quote: The only man that can save Bud Light is a picture of Shane Gillis drinking Bud Light, or rather a GIF, or a GIF, as you youth probably say, maybe, probably, maybe not. That got 83 likes. Another GIF of Shane Gillis getting 36 likes." Uncle Tom Hawk says, quote, Shane, the big Kahona Gillis, unquote, getting 33 likes. Again, if, let's see. I'm actually surprised they're not censoring all these suggestions for them to actually hire someone like Shane Gillis. An overwhelming majority of people just bringing up. I'm scrolling through more and more. A lot of it is Shane Gillis. A lot of them still making fun of them with uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Scotty Benny says, quote, Dylan M., the Bud Light Sheriff now. Unquote, getting two likes. Current Jean Pierre, White House Parody says, quote, thanks, Bud Light, so brave. And it's a video clip of Dylan Mulvaney holding an award, getting three likes. Darren Constantine says, quote, Elliot Page, unquote, getting one like. Blue C. Ledge says, quote, just give up, your brain is dead, unquote, getting four likes. So interestingly enough, let's see, I'm scrolling, 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 scrolling. Someone responded with a shelf case of beer at Walmart, and the price had been photoshopped, and it just says, just take them. And that got 32 likes. Which is interesting enough, I can't help but notice the, the level or the number of beer when you go to the big box mart these days for Bud Light. I can't help but notice a lot of consistency. It's not, it still isn't moving too much. It's kind of the same amount of inventory as opposed to other brands. I see them moving at much higher frequency. But that's just me. So it'll be interesting to see, again, if Bud Light was smart, I don't think they are, but again, this isn't as harsh a critique as usual. Yes, there are some comments saying, hey, you messed up, calling them out for their mere out of ineptitudes. There are many, but they're actually giving constructive feedback. They're telling Bud Light what to do right now. Pay Shane Gillis. Again, Shane Gillis is a huge, successful stand-up comedian, and he's on Joe Rogan all the time, the most successful podcast in history. He's already drinking Bud Light on this podcast. Obviously, he's a fan of the product. He likes to taste somehow. Why not just cut him a check? If you want to turn your marketing, they're giving you the formula right now to turn around the ship. So it'll be interesting to see, does Bud Light have a modicum of intelligence? Because again, if I was in charge of the marketing department, I would say, hey, 
here's a stand-up comedian. He's already drinking our iconic blue can on all these shows with Joe Rogan, the biggest podcast ever. He's our fans. The people in the comments are saying, "Hey, there's someone who already drinks your product. They like the people like him." If they don't cut this guy a check or just make him a fish, like again, that press I guess not going to be as big as a business blunder as hiring Dylan Mulvaney and giving this person one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars for a couple of pictures to be a brand ambassador or whatever you want to call it, a campaign. But if they don't hire Shane, that is one of the dumbest things they could probably do in terms of a lack of action. There's a lot of things where you make dumb thing, dumb things happen in life because you choose to take an action, such as hiring Dylan Mulvaney for $185,000 for like two or three pictures. But in this case, if they don't do it, it's just, just ridiculous. And perhaps we'll add this to the ever-increasing section of the show called the Business Blunder of the Day. Obviously, there's a lot of material Bud Light. I'm calling, they're on track to get the Business Blunder of the Year. Let me know in the comments if you think that should be an award. There are many contenders with Disney continu continuing to lose billions of dollars, their, uh, dollars on their films. But, as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Nelson Putz reignites proxy fight to save Disney. Now this comes as Disney continues to lose millions, pounds, millions, upon millions of dollars. In fact, since Nelson actually paused his last attempt to do a proxy war and get some seats on board directors, that was earlier in February 2023, since that time period, Disney has lost $70 billion in market valuation. Let me say that again. They've lost $70 billion in market valuation. Their stock has dropped that much. A company that used to be a brilliant market, they used to basically have a license to print money. Disney was so successful at making products that were marketed towards the masses that everyone liked. And they've just shot themselves in the foot, or perhaps a more better metaphor would be, they shot themselves in the high-heeled foot worse than Ron DeSantis with his high heels. Now, this article comes to us thanks to CNN. Again, Nelson Putz, a little background in his investment and in his activism. He is very respected in the financial community and investment community. He gets into companies. He actually basically tells them to get out of the politics and stop doing political things, and he helps turn these companies around. And he's done it most famously, I believe, in terms of turning a business around, was with Dr. Pepper way back in the day. And he was able to make a hefty profit off of turning that company around. He also tried to get a little bit of Unilever to stop pushing politics so much into their products as well. Now, going back to this specific article, and again, this is with Nelson Mutt's uh, Train Management Fund. And this comes to us thanks to a writer by the name of uh, Crystal Hur at CNN Business. And they noted that trans reignition of the proxy fight comes days after Disney revealed a shuffle in its board with Morgan Stanley CEO James Gordon and former CEO of Sky Jeremy Darich to join as new directors. In response to these new additions, trans said that the moves do not, quote, restore investor confidence or address the root cause behind the significant value destruction and missteps that the board has overseen, unquote. Now, Disney claims, quote, the Walt Disney Company has a proof. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm sorry, That's, it's hard not to read this and laugh out loud. I will attempt again. Again, this is Disney. Quote, The Walt Disney Company has a proven track record of delivering long-term value to our shareholders and it, and is in the midst of significant transformation, unquote. That, that's true. Significant transformation by burning your company to the ground and alienating about half of the market. Because again, if you look at, let's just pull up their fun stock really quick. So Disney stock, 
Also, so their five-year trend is down about 17.32% in the past five years. The past one year is down 6%. Year-to-date is actually up about 4%. Let's see. So they're actually up a little bit. Div oh, they only paid dividends? Really? Weak. All right. Past six months, it is up 4%. What did it bottom out at? So it looks like it bottomed out about $79.78 per share in October 2023. Now sort of $92.50 per share. But they're still losing billions of dollars on their actual films. Now, Peltz in January had launched a bid for a seat on Disney's board after the company fired former CEO Bob Chapek in November 2022. The former chief executive's tenure was short and tumultuous, sparkling criticism, particularly for his handing, handling of the company's the Battle of Florida and some of his employees on the state's bill. Again, this is fascinating to see how companies will frame the same situation, but they'll frame it differently to fit their narrative. So CNN says the state, Florida state's bill restricting the teachers of LGBTQ plus topics in the classrooms. Well, it wasn't just those. It was all sexual themes. It wasn't just those indoctrination attempts by the teachers. It was just any sex in general. They said this isn't appropriate for classrooms. If you want to have a debate on that, well, I'd say that'd be a huge topic for another time, but it's, let's just say it's controversial to say the least. And then Disney said, oh no, we believe teachers should be able to have all these conversations with, you know, second graders, kindergartners. Why? I, I would love to hear their justification, or um, I was going to say, you can't really expect a modicum of intelligence to come from Disney these days, but nevertheless. Now, they noted that the final nail in the coffin for Chabek, who was the chairman of, at Disney Parks, experiences and products before Iger's first run CEOs, was seemingly the company's fourth quarter earnings during last November, which missed Wall Street expectations, in part due to a $1.5 billion loss on a streaming segment. Which, again, that was back then, still to this day, it's still not making a profit. It's getting there, don't get me wrong. It's still losses, but the losses are decreasing. So slowly getting towards profitability. Again, we'll see how long it actually takes to get, get there. Now... In February, Peltz had dropped his efforts to join the board after Iger laid out a plan to slash over $5 billion in costs by implementing layoffs, streaming the company's operations, and dismantling Chapek's reorganization of Disney, initiatives in line with training's demands. And to Disney's credit, again, we'll give them a, modicum of, a little modicum of credit, not a lot, but they did trim their costs. They laid off about 7,000 employees, and there's a lot of fat to trim that company. Looks like in 2023, the latest figures, again, this is just from a... Uh, brave search they have 191,250 employees still headquartered in burbank california let's see here and then let's see here the article continues saying bob Iger actually said he never knew the challenges would be so big when he was coming back and pelts actually said quote we wish the very best for Iger, the management team and the board we will be watching unquote that was in February. And again, at the time, I believe they're actually up to about $2 billion, owning $2 billion in shares. So if you go to the current market cap of Disney, and again, that's probably relatively not that much. Again, that's not too much. So the market cap is $169.45 billion, where the single entity, the single investor, last time we checked was about $2 billion. And the more you increase that percentage of the company that you own, the more rights you have for such, such things as getting on board directors, which is a huge influence of the company. Everyone, a lot of people talk about the CEO leading a company, which is very true, don't get me wrong, 
But another big part of the equation is the board of directors, and many people would say the philosophy of the board of directors is to assist and empower the CEO and help guide the person with additional feedback and input. And don't get me wrong, there are still some board directors who just sit back and get a paycheck. Of course, you're going to have good and bad intentions all over, but that is their overall in, uh, purpose, is to actually help guide and lead the CEO to make the best decisions for the long term for the company. And I can't imagine it. I don't know how inebriated they are at the board directors at Disney right now. Now, Disney and the SEC filings actually said, oh yeah, we realize you know, our values are not aligning to the values of American people and it's kind of her bottom line. And will they change? I, I don't think so, considering, I mean, the company has built out such a company culture around the initiatives and the activism that they've been doing. The only way to really fix a company would be to fire, I don't know, 98% of the people who work there and just start from scratch. Because again, so many people who work there have become so indoctrinated. It's their core belief is that this specific activism of you know putting sexual themes in these children's films. It's, it's scary, ridiculous, and I would say morally abhorrent to say the least to actually put politics and sexual themes into these children's materials. But that's what they're doing. That's what they're pushing for. And the consumer's not liking that. That's why the people are buying less and less of their stuff. They're actually moving to alternatives. Bank Key Ventures by the Daily Wire is growing exponentially. That's their streaming for service for the kids. Daily Wire being one of the fastest growing conservative media companies headquartered out of Nashville, Tennessee. And that company's doing especially exponentially great, partially because of Disney's ineptitude driving customers away. They're creating their own competition, as many companies do throughout time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Disney. But I suspect with the ever-increasing increase of their shares, and given the fact that I mean, the, the company's just not making the right business or moral decisions anymore. They keep losing money. Again, they're almost, I believe it's like $2 billion lost in films. That's almost unfathomable for a company that used to print money, again, for a living. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Nelson, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Disney Plus users canceling after Elon calls out specifically the CEO of Disney telling him to go F themselves and he won't be blackmailed. Now, this came to us on X, or as 18 people, oh, wait, reverse that, Twitter, or as 18 people call it, X. And this comes from Colin Rugg, and he says, quote, New, X users are canceling their Disney Plus subscription after Elon Musk told Disney CEO Bob Iger to go F yourself for blackmailing X. Good, stop giving money to people who hate you and you and free speech. Ex-users are fighting back and rallying behind Elon after he blasted advertisers for trying to blackmail him with money. He says, canceled Disney and Paramount Plus, hashtag the Nick America. Canceled Disney and signed up for X Premium to help pay for free speech, hashtag Andrew5647. Just canceled my Disney Plus subscription, hashtag Dr. Kevin Lang. And many more. They got 3.3 million views on the Twitter and 66,000 likes. I know we played this a couple days ago, but it's so satisfying. Why not play it again with Elon telling people he won't be blackmailed and actually stands for free speech? You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob. You don't want them? Specifically calling out Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney. 
and it's fascinating and also very satisfying. Very few people actually stand up for their beliefs these days. And arguably, even though he has more money than anyone can possibly fathom, he also has more to lose. Because again, these companies that withdraw their advertising funds, it was hundreds of millions of dollars. It wasn't like 20 or 30 bucks. It was huge. And it's going to make it prohibitively difficult for Twitter to actually make a profit next year. They were close to the break-even point, but that was with all the income from the advertisers. And I do highly implore people to actually sign up for a Twitter premium blue banana falcon, whatever they call their premium membership these days. And I subsequently will be doing that both for my personal as well as, oh, I have it for my personal, but for the podcast and my tech company for the Twitter profiles, because I do believe that's the, you're going to need a massive volume of the, the premium subscriptions to offset the huge loss of revenue from those traditional advertising companies. Also, if you own a small business or you can afford any marketing dollars, I think it'd be a good way to also advertise as well. That's something I'm comp my company's looking into as well. Now, going to the comments section, again, got 3.3 million views and 66,000 likes. Let's see here. Junata Broderick says, quote, Hey, Bob, was epic. epic. Got 1.9 thousand likes. Colin Rugg simply says, Hey, Bob, and hashtag Bob Iger got 948 likes. Sergi Platt says, quote, Cancel Disney Plus if you haven't already. Don't support them. Support free speech on X. Hashtag I stand with Elon. Got 1.6 thousand likes. Colin Rugg says, quote, I recently subscribed to Premium Plus on X. Will be well worth it with Groke included. Unquote, getting 749 likes. Groke being Elon's AI technology, very similar to ChatGPT. Although it actually seems to have a modicum of humor built in as well. See here. Someone by the name of Kevin M. Nelson says, quote, already canceled that months ago. It's difficult cutting all of these companies that seem to hate free speech, but that's my goal. Not giving them my money for them to try to destroy one platform that is allowing open discussion, debate, and discourse, unquote. I got 2,000 likes. Colin Rugg says, quote, pretty soon all we will have left is Home Depot and Daily Wire Plus. I'm quoting 1.7 thousand likes. And very true. One of my favorite books I read this year was by Bernie, the founder of Home Depot. It's called Built from Scratch. A great book um, if you're looking for a little bit of fun business fact or business history. And how it took a lot of grind to make that company really come to fruition. And there are a couple of very pivotal, fascinating moments where it could have gone either way. So if you're a bookworm like myself, I definitely recommend reading that. I usually just buy them from any big box or, you know, just online books for us. See here. Zen Master Troy says, quote, Elon's Braveheart moment. And it's a meme of Mel Gibson in, I think it's, yeah, it's obviously the Braveheart, where they're about to charge. And it says, Elon to creators, hold. Elon to, Elon to advertisers, go F yourselves. I got 471 likes. FJB USA says, quote, God bless Elon Musk. And it looks like is a character of Elon Musk's name over Superman stopping a big train, the train being called Woke Liberals. And the kid that he's, with the ball that he's saving from the train is free speech. It got 732 likes. Matthew J. So says, quote, Elon is standing strong for free speech, getting 841 likes. Red Wave Press says, quote, Disney was one of the many companies that hate us. If we treat these woke companies like we did Bud Light, they will stop going woke, unquote, getting 709 likes. Though, also in all realist, to be in all realistic and all realism, it's going to take much more than that. Because again, we have BlackRock and all these giant investment companies. They don't have billions of dollars. They have trillions of dollars in assets under their belts. So really, 
it's going to be a multi-pronged approach. If you really want to shift the culture war, you really need to talk. Well, it's also the unions. A lot of them have their pensions mixed up in those holding companies. Or not, sorry, not holding companies, these investment companies. So it does need to be multi-layered, but this will help. Don't get me wrong. Gem Pop Patriot says, quote, Elon Musk saying what we all are all thinking and supporting our right to unfettered free speech. Him going after Bob Iger was icing on the cake. We'll always support free speech, getting 179 likes. See here. Kathleen Witchell says, quote, this doesn't surprise me because it's worth more to me to pay him to keep free speech alive here. Disney is a disgrace. Stop sending money to people who hate you, unquote. Getting 862 likes. So as youth might say, Disney has been ratioed. Elon has been crowned king. This is a fascinating moment. I, I, you never really see these types of things. And it's going viral to say the least. Now, how many people are really going to cancel Disney Plus though? That's the multi-billion dollar question really, if you look at the long-term impact of the loss of revenue. And again, Disney Plus is still losing money. Now's the time to hit them. They're barely getting close to breaking even. Again, as we said earlier, a couple of fiscal months ago, they lost about $2 billion on that initiative. The latest estimates coming in about negative $400 million. So depending on how many people cancel Disney Plus, there may very well be an instance where they never make a profit on it. That very well, That's not out of the realm of possibility. So if you really believe in the things they are all aspiring, appropriately boycott them. Cancel your Disney Plus, get rid of it, you don't need it. It's unnecessary luxury, and more often than not, it's bastardizing your intellectual property that you used to love. That's why I'm a big proponent of having physical media, because you can't lose it in terms of the company can't just choose to say, okay, we're going to take this off our platform, and it can't be edited or censored. So you got a good old hard copy. I know VHSs aren't the best since the magnetic tape can degrade over time, but nothing wrong with a DVD or a Blu-ray, or download your own digital copy to your personal external some type of device. But, as I say, time shall tell. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek Ramaswamy praising Elon for telling advertisers to go after themselves and he will not be blackmailed. Now, this comes on Twitter, or as 18 people call it, X. And Vivek simply said, this is awesome. And he had the clip of Elon Musk. And it actually is about two minutes long, so it's a little bit longer than the other clips. So it gives a little bit more of the before and after Elon actually says the expletives. So we'll go ahead and play that really quick. And again, this got, from Vivek, this statement and clip got 3.2 million likes and 63,000, well, reverse that, 3.3 million views and 33,000 likes. Again, I'm not a doctor. However, if you click the subscribe button, it may help with the dyslexia I may have, as well as my speaking ineptitudes and lack of enunciation. Again, not a doctor. I'm just saying it's worth a shot. But without further ado, play that. Obviously, you know that there's a public perception that, and, and you're clarifying this now, um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. They stop. You hope uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise. No. What do you mean? <laughs> If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. The interviewer looks so scared. He's like, but. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob. If you're in the audience. 
Well, well let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't advertise. How do you think then about the economics of, of X? If, 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 if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising. Um, if, if you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who uh, have this view, what do you do? F Y. I, I understand that, but there's a reality too. <laughs> Right? Yes. No, no. I, I mean, Linda no, Yaccarino's right here, and she's got to sell advertising. Absolutely. So, um, no, no, totally. So, so no, no, actually, what, what this advertising boycott is, uh, is, is going to do, it's, it's going to kill the company. And do you think that the company... And the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are, those advertisers, I imagine, are going to say... They're going to say we didn't kill the company. Oh yeah. They're going to say tell to tell to Earth. But they're going to say that they're like going to say you that you killed the company because you said these things, and that they were inappropriate things, and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform. Right. Well, that's see. that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. So okay. This then this. Like a boss, as you might say. I can't help but think most of the comments will be a support. But let's dive in and find out. When the first post comes from Mr. 2V News, says, quote, advertisers need X, unquote, gain 207 likes. All in crypto says, quote, totally, Elon was on fire, unquote, gain 301 likes. Again, one of the biggest value adds that Elon is going to bring with Twitter for advertisers is, I think, by having, again, uh, it's hard to correlate how many things he says comes to fruition in terms of company updates, standards, policies, pricing, but I think he said it previously a couple months ago is that he wants to have a $1 fee for everyone using the platform so they can show their authentic user and to cut back on the bots. And one of the biggest issues when you advertise on all the traditional legacy social media companies like Facebook, Instagram, I don't know, what do you th use these days? The TikTok, the Banana Falcon, whatever you call the social media companies these days. But one of the biggest issues is, bo is bots. So if you're paying company dollars, you're paying X amount, let's say you're spending $5,000 to reach 10,000 people or 100,000 people, whatever it is. Well, is that really money well spent if 50% of those people are bots who can't buy anything? Because the robots are not, they don't have autonomous free will yet. And if you don't get that movie reference with that attempted sound, you're, I just died a little inside if you don't know what movie I'm talking about or what I'm referencing. But nevertheless, the robots cannot make decisions on their own yet. Now, as well as instances also, the value to reach those customers will increase because if you could show on paper or you know show with the data, hey, these are all real users, they, Twitter will not be able to charge a premium for advertisers because no one else is able to do that. There's a lot of bots on all those other platforms, so that's gonna be a big value add. It'll be interesting to see how does he roll out the implementation for authentic users? Is it really just gonna be a simple dollar charge? Is he gonna want a government ID or some, some proof like that? It'll be interesting to see how it's implemented, but. As I say, time shall tell. Some other top comments come from Simon Van Dyke says, quote, the audience doesn't know what to do when they hear raw, unadulterated, unapologetic truth. The silence is telling, unquote, getting 548 likes. Bowtide Reactionary says, quote, everyone needs to sign up for Premium Plus and support this man, unquote. Got 430 likes. Let's see here. Badger State says, quote, so this is what winning the culture war feels like? 
like. Yep, I'm loving it. 142 likes. Angel of Darkness says, quote, the best, it's the best thing ever. My 96 bucks a year is pittance for the freedom of speech he's given all of us. I'm getting 400 likes. Which also goes to show you the brand of Elon in and of itself, him. Would anyone you know proudly pay for Facebook premium or Snapchat premium because they believe in free speech? I mean, that's part of the allure. And again, I know Elon is also turning off some prospective investors and there's some people who will presumably not pay for the upgraded premium Twitter X because of his personality or his character. But I'd venture to say he's probably in the majority. I hope a majority of Americans who believe in free speech, as well as people on a global level, I think he's actually inspiring those people to actually sign up for the premium. Again, that was the first reason I signed up for premium for my personal Twitter account was because Elon bought the company. That's why I did it. So it'll be interesting to see how many more people are inspired by it. And it's very unique. No one, I mean, no one's inspired by Facebook to sign up for premium or Snapchat to sign up for premium or TikTok to sign up for premium if they have one even. So very interesting. I think it is more positive than negative in my opinion. So by the name of Jamie says, quote, Elon Musk is unfathomably based and he's taken a sledgehammer to the mainstream propaganda matrix. I'm quoting 680 likes. American Lives Matter says, quote, I'm willing to pay more for an X subscription, getting 32 likes. Adrian says, quote, call me a bad parent, but I played this to my teenage kids explaining the context and how it always good to speak up and not let anyone ever silence you with money or troth over venues. Unquote. Hashtag anti-woke. Hashtag go F yourself. This person got 110 likes. West Side Philosophy says, quote, notice they're holding Elon to an unrealistic standard that isn't applied to other platforms. I'm quoting 40 likes. So overwhelmingly positive responses. Now, again, it'll be interesting. So Vivek, you know, if you look at his profile, like many public figures, he is paying for Twitter premium. You see the cool black, uh, blue check mark by his profile. It'll be interesting to see I mean, I think it's going to be more persuasive if Vivek was to say, you know, everyone on my campaign staff, we just paid for Twitter premium today. If he added that to this, I think that would have been even more, that we gathered more support from Vivek. Because again, right now, if you look at most of the comments, they're overwhelming support of, of Elon, which makes sense. That was the main subject of the tweet. That was the main, that was the video. But imagine if Vivek had also said, oh yeah, every single person on my staff we're paying for it right here, right now, because we value the importance of free speech. You believe in Elon's decision. Again, I'm not on his camp. I'm not a campaign strategist, but I think that would have been a good move on the political chessboard. But as we always see, time shall tell. Other interesting political news: Yeah, United Auto Workers contract to cost Ford Motor Company 8.8 billion dollars, an additional 900 dollars per vehicle for the consumer. Now, this comes to us thanks to a website over at the Detroit Free Press. This is by specifically by Phoebe Wall Howard. And it looks like the cost, this is a quote from Ford, the cost effect is anticipated to be about $900 per vehicle by 2028, unquote, and we will work to offset the cost through higher productivity and lower expenses, unquote. So hopefully they outsource a lot because again, there's only so many things you can, can control in terms of expenses in the United States. There's a lot of variables that are unfortunately controlled by a myriad of regulations. Unfortunately, there's so many regulations that can actually probably exceed a dictionary in terms of length if you were to put them on paper. Now, they also noted that they have withdrawn its 2023 guidance plan in late October due to the UAW strike and all the uncertainties. 
Ford said it anticipates a full year 2023 adjusted earnings before interest and taxes EBIT of $10 billion to $10.5 billion. That would include the $1.7 billion in strictly related lost profits, $1.6 billion of that from the fourth quarter, owing to the interruption of production of high-margin trucks and SUVs, and in turn, vehicle wholesales about 100,000 units lower than expected. Ford generated $4.9 billion in net income and $9.4 billion in adjusted EBITDA before the first three quarters of the year, prior to the full effects of the work stoppage, unquote, this coming to a spokesperson at Ford. They also know that the full 2023 adjusted free cash flow is expected to be, in, to be between $5 billion and $5.5 billion. Now, they continue to say, quote, this industry is going to go through the biggest technological-led transformation we've ever seen in some new companies, new and old, and going to be left be- some are going to be left behind, unquote. Ford Plus is on the right strategy to, to win. We've got a highly talented team that allocates capital with great discipline, so we're ex- executing with consistency, generating strong growth and profitability, and are less cyclical, unquote. Ford CEO Jim Farley had said previously that the company committed to electric vehicles but is pushing hard to provide hybrid vehicles to consumers as well, which makes sense. That's where they should be going. That's where Toyota, big, a lot of people are giving Toyota crap, which again, you're giving the most, maybe you could debate they're the greatest automobile company on the planet in terms of reliability, return on investment, and as well as instances, and again, a vehicle is not, it's not, I don't say it's an investment unless you're buying like a one-off Lamborghini or Bugatti or something like that, because vehicles on average never go up in value. It's not an investment. I, you should, a better phrase would be me trying to say mitigating your risk or making it so you don't lose so much money on a vehicle so they hold their value and you're not putting money into repairs. Again, a good old internal combustion engine from Toyota will last about a quarter century and a million miles. They're darn near bulletproof. And I mean, there've been whole YouTube compilations of a myriad of people doing durability tests and you just can't break those darn things. It's almost comical they're so durable. And Toyota invests heavily into hybrid technologies, specifically the hybrid battery technologies as well. And a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, the future's all EV. Now the government, don't get me wrong, the government is bullying all these companies with a myriad of, in a myriad of methodologies to try to get rid of the internal combustion engine. And that's why, another, one of the main reasons they're pushing the technology so hard, but consumers, the adoption rate is decreasing pretty quick. Now the sales are increasing in terms of EV you know, sales, but the adoption rate is decreasing. And there's more and more consumers are starting to be more favorable to hybrid vehicle systems. Now granted those people don't realize that the batteries are gonna die in a couple of years, because again, giant lithium battery is slowly becoming more of a smartphone, which is a disposable piece of junk. Also known as something that you're also locked in, you can't you have a right to work on it because you know, it's basically just own the hardware, not the software. There are many reasons why I personally will always prefer a stick shift vehicle with an internal combustion engine, also known as a manual transmission, the best way to actually enjoy the driving experience, bar none, can't recommend it enough. Now, back to the article, they also noted that their costs are going to be going up more and more. Now, the specific UAW contract includes raising the top wage by more than 30%, which is funny, people say, I, I can't fathom, there are some people who say unions, unions aren't greedy, well, I guess Ford agreed to it, so it's agreeable. But do you know anyone who's got a 30, a 30% raise in your career? So the, the UAW, did, they, got, they got pretty good. And this is also in the politics part of the podcast because the UAW hilariously and ironically contributes heavily to politicians who cause the very problems that they whine and complain about. A lot of the unions, they're really upset about you know, hyperinflation. Well, you voted for people who actually cause hyperinflation. 
they're they're angry that they're making less money because the vehicles are becoming EVs and hybrids, which are less profitable, and they're not getting any bonuses. They're not making as much as much money. Well, guess what? Guess what? President, guess what? Government is doing. They're banning the most profitable products you make. They're banning the internal combustion engine with de facto tailpipe emission standards, increasing those exponentially to just be ridiculously high. The only way you can meet a fleet average is by having an EV division and having more and more EV sales. You voted for that. And the UAW contributes millions by millions by millions, millions of dollars to political figures to get them elected. So that's why I think of them more as a political organization, which is why someone as morally vacuous as Bernie Sanders is with the UAW helping them with all these strikes, which also shows their, I'd say, lack of work effort if you have Bernie Sanders supporting you. Really? But I partially digress. Again, they're getting a 30% increase in wages. They also increased the starting wage by 68% to $28 per hour, also reinstating major benefits that they lost during the Great Recession, which, again, they partially... Ford did not go bankrupt, but GM and Chrysler went bankrupt in 2009 in partial because of the huge cost of the UAW. So it looks like they got their cost of living adjustments back as well. So they got a lot. Let's see. So it'll be interesting to see, again, Ford has got this, that's a big dent. So imagine paying 900, uh, they already raised their MSRP over the past five years. Ford has raised the MSRP by like 42%. And everyone knows right now you're usually paying a little bit more than MSRP for most vehicles, not all. And the vehicles are decreasing in quality, but the price is going up. So this Ford vehicle, thanks to the union, is $900 more. So what would you do? Would you buy a vehicle that's manufactured by the UAW that is more expensive and statistically less reliable than the competition? Or would you buy something like a Toyota or a Honda that, again, will last darn near a quarter of a century and a million miles? I would say it'll be interesting to see how Jim, how Jim Farley and how Ford goes from here, but this is a big kneecap for the company. They're on crushes. Because again, this is a huge cost of labor increase and they have to deal with the dealerships. Word pun moderately intended. Those are two things that are preventing Ford from ever overtaking companies like Tesla. Tesla has a lower cost of labor, partially because they actually they also give them stock options. So they're invested to actually work hard and actually you know, do their job. And they also have vehicles for the EV category. They're the leader. My three cents, I don't like EVs because I want something to last, you know, a long time. And EVs on average are disposable just based on the very nature of the lithium ion battery technologies and then basically being a computer. Again, we might very well have a new graphene, fancy banana Y Falcon material for the batteries tomorrow that make some last 25 years. Let's just say I'm skeptical to say the least, but yes, technology does move quickly. That could happen. As of the time of this recording, no, I would still never buy one. That's just my three cents. But it used to be two cents for your hyperinflation. inflation. Got gotcha, charged three cents. But it's still free to click the subscribe button. And it'll be interesting to see how does Ford overcome the competition and what goes from here. And let me know, would you ever buy a Ford vehicle with the current prices, with the current quality? Maybe pass in here, what you have to say. Now going over to the business blunder of the day, we have a unique situation. It's an industry blunder. Now this comes to us thanks to Tesla Rati, and they note that Consumer Reports finds that EVs are less reliable than internal combustion engine cars. Who would have thought it? Oh, yes, me. Well, also anyone with modicum intelligence or has ever actually opened up a hood or tried to repair a smartphone. Since again, with the current technology we have nowadays, 
Vehicles are basically smartphones with wheels. You're locked into the manufacturer. You can't work it on it yourself. They're glued. They're made to be disposable. They have all the proprietary technologies. They also have giant lithium ion batteries, which are explosive, yes, but they're also difficult, expensive to recycle and very expensive, cost prohibitively expensive to replace. You're talking 13, 18, 20 grand for a giant battery. And some companies like General Motors, they want to make the battery in, in a structural component of the vehicle. So you can't just replace the battery. You're basically, it's the whole structure. So I was going to say, I think GM did this, General Motors did this in the 80s as well, but it's designing a disposable car. It's ridiculous to say the least, which is why I'm a big fan of having just good old Honda Civic stick shift. Personally, I have the Honda Civic SI. Stick shift, main transmission, the best way to go, the most fun you'll ever have, bar none, but that's just me. Now, specifically going to the article, they noted that around 30, 330,000 vehicles participated in the Consumer Reports survey. Consumer Reports revealed that the surveys during an event at the Automotive Press Association. According to the Consumer Reports in 2003 Auto, uh, Auto Reliability Survey, luxury vehicles have 79% more problems than internal combustion engine cars. 79, wow. They also know that, noted that the performance of plug-in hybrids did not fare any better than EVs. The survey revealed that plug-in hybrid vehicles had 146% more flaws than fossil fuel vehicles twice as many as electric vehicles hybrids scored the high what how'd they have a typo on this hybrids scored the best among new energy vehicles with 26 percent less fewer than ice cars really plug-in hybrids surveys plug-in hybrids more than fossil fuel vehicles than ice engines they also noted that jack fisher the senior director of auto testing at consumer reports tried to explain the survey results he hinted that the automaker's new technology and electric vehicles might have issues and lower reliability. And Fisher told Automotive News, quote, the longer a vehicle or technology is in production, the more bugs get worked out. The automakers have produced EVs earlier. They're trying to improve their quality, unquote. Which is, like, that is true to a certain extent. In the private sector, over time, there's improvements in quality, usually. And but one of those instances with technology, the more complexity you're introducing, the more components, the inevitably it's going to be less reliable. There's, you're creating more failure points. Every, I mean, that's also for ICE cars as well. They're putting new features. That's introducing more points of failure as well. That's just kind of the nature of the beast when you keep adding crap to the cars. I would debate you really don't need. But it'll be interesting to see as more and more people are starting to figure out, well, not just are they extremely expensive, as well as they have a huge huge cost of ownership, depending on where you live, it actually costs more to charge it from an outlet than actually using fossil fuels. And depending on where you live and what your electric grid operates on, sometimes it's based on coal, you could also debate that's actually worse for the environment than just having a gasoline car. So there are a lot of variables in this instance, don't get me wrong, but let's see here. It'll be interesting to see not only big costs, but more and more of these issues are starting to come out about reliability would be interesting to see the more and more people start to realize they're not as reliable let me know in the comments would you buy again with the, the cost we have right now and lack the fact that you're locked in with manufacturer and the fact that it's not going to last more than 10 years with better technology if you're lucky maybe it's, eh, maybe i think i think they average about seven given all that information would you buy an electric vehicle over an internal combustion engine vehicle
I mean, the fact that, again, it's Consumer Reports, there's a lot of people who put a lot of pride, they put a lot of, there's a lot of people who put a lot of trust into Consumer Reports. Famously, they don't take free samples from manufacturers when they're testing vehicles, they buy them themselves. They do a lot of testing, and truth be told, I've looked at their, their reviews throughout the years for certain products. So with this information, that's kind of a kind of a whole industry business blunder of the day, to say the least. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in again today. We're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of December. So if you click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you can leave a comment, I would greatly appreciate it as well, as I always want to get more feedback on how we can make the show better and better and better. Also, don't forget, you can also leave a thumbs up. That helps with the algorithm and might get it shared to more people, which is also greatly appreciated. Lastly, don't forget to take time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe and fight the good fight.